0: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to today's episode, episode 9. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, how's it going, man?
0: Good, good. You know, we held down the fort last week while you were, you know, sipping margaritas on the beach or whatever you were doing, and so uh, some exotic location around the world, I'm not quite sure, but yeah, we held the fort down last week while you were gone, so we're still hanging in there, but we're looking for I'm looking forward to vacation. I don't know if I'll get one anytime soon, but when do you go on vacation again? Another, what, six, seven days, or, you know, you fly to Tahiti? Well, I was
1: planning to take one this week to recover from the vacation, man. Three kids on the beach, Yeah. that was exhausting. Well, Ryan, news this week, man. Uh oil price is down to $47. Uh what what, what do you think's going on? Yeah, I
0: think, you know, it's interesting. Um I mentioned a few weeks ago, um I had an investor analyst um, come on the the Global Energy Leaders podcast and he was very optimistic saying seeing uh that the price would get back to 70 towards the end of the year. And some of the markers that we were both looking at were kind of the same. Now, he was suggesting that the that the storage would be kind of depleted or start getting depleted, you know, mid uh Uh, mid to summer maybe late summer so it's gonna be interesting to see as i think i've said pretty consistently i want to get to june or july before i really make a prediction on what i think is going to happen because there's so many factors and i'm not quite sure exactly how they're going to align so i'm not surprised that the price has fallen Uh, i'm not sure it's going to stay down here or not but i think we're getting close to the next month two months to kind of figure out really what we can expect for the for the oil market and you know um, you know, being in the business so long, what you see is that companies plan a lot the first quarter of the year, and then those things that they're on the books and there's money dedicated, usually those projects will uh, you know go through the rest of the year, and we've seen that already that there's a lot of projects going on. We talk about it on here every week that there's projects going on. So I think from that standpoint, I'm excited about the rest of the year as far as the price goes and how that will get into 2018. I, I think you know mid June or July we can have a real good discussion about what, what you know what to expect moving forward.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully hopefully they'll head back in, uh, in the right direction. Um, well, Ryan, before we uh, jump into some of the articles, we normally draw our attention to some jobs that we have that are available at uh, globalenergymedia.com slash jobs. I checked this morning, there were 18 jobs available. Uh, so if you're interested in taking a look at some of those are updated, I think we mentioned uh, every Monday morning. And, uh, and Ryan, the R-Square Global, I know we had a couple of hiccups there. Did we ever get that information out?
0: Yeah, that's on my LinkedIn page. So if you're connected with me on LinkedIn, then it's there. And we might, um, by Monday, hopefully I'll get it slapped on the global energy media part. But if you're not connected with me on LinkedIn, reach out and connect with me. It's a civil engineering position for either our Foley Alabama office or our Fort Worth office. Um, I guess technically anywhere, but those are the two offices that we would prefer is our Foley or our Fort Worth office. So.
1: Perfect, perfect. So, again, that is com slash jobs, updated every Monday morning. There was about 18 jobs posted there. All right, so jumping right in, uh, we got a couple of articles today, uh, starting with some that are kind of litigation-based. The first one is regarding a bill, or two bills, really, that are circulating that uh, basically people on the liberal side and democratic uh, senators are trying to pass some bills that will bring more transparency to the oil and gas uh, industry. And um, they are trying to get a searchable online database of violations by oil and gas companies uh, so that people can search, you know, all the violations that a particular company has been guilty of. So they're trying to make, make the industry more transparent uh, there's an, there's two bills really that are circulating on it and we're kind of waiting to see how those, how those turn out. Anything you wanted to add there, Ron?
0: Yeah, I'm kind of torn on this, Josh, you know, um, so transparency is usually a good thing. Um, very few instances where I'd say, well, transparency is not a good thing. Um, the, the problem that I don't know is, is what, what could this information be used for? Um, so obviously, right. um, you know, it's good to know, Hey, you know, XYZ company had a you know accident six months ago. But... Is that going to open up X Y Z company up to a lot of frivolous lawsuits? Okay, and so all of a sudden there's environmentalist groups that are always just pounding these companies with lawsuits just because they had a violation. So the the railroad company came in and they uh, railroad company the railroad commission came in. They did their job. They find them. Well, would would it expose them to extra you know uh, environmental groups you know that are going to come in and, and give them problems unnecessarily? Um, so I don't know that. So I'm curious, and that wasn't a lot of discussion here. Is is, is why do we want transparency? So transparency, I'm not against it. I'm just curious what benefit does it have, uh, and why does the Railroad Commission not have this in place? So that's really kind of a couple of angles that wasn't really discussed in this article and I, I thought was kind of lacking. Um, and, 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 again, I don't have the answer either. I'm just curious, okay, so what, what's there, what's at play here from everybody's perspective? I know one of the things is the article um, says that, uh, that they don't have the money to kind of you know, update their website, and then you know, one of the – one of the representatives says, well, they're getting $3 million. And last week when we had uh, Commissioner Ryan sitting on, he talked about they're trying to upgrade their, their website. So I kind of found that interesting as well as we didn't talk about this bill particularly, but, you know, all these kind of pieces are coming together. So I, that's kind of my angle, Josh, is I'm curious what would the transparency do? Can they not get it now? And would it you know open them up to some kind of lawsuit that maybe that the Railroad Commission is trying to p- protect them from that they don't,
1: you know, unnecessary
0: litigation? Okay.
1: Yeah, well, um, I I agree, man. I, I really don't know what how it's really going to affect the the actual companies that say they get three or four fines. Um, eventually, there's going to be I probably, I, I guess, it's kind of an intuition would be that the government's going to try to step in and take more control, which is always...
0: Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's uh, always a bad thing. And, you know, we found, Josh, on here, we found on this show we've talked about um, companies getting fined for violations, so it's not like this information can't be found. So um, yep. I'm not in the regulatory business, and so I don't really keep up with that side side of it. But just from an outsider kind of looking in, going, okay, well, you know, we want transparency. People usually say that because they want it for other reasons than just transparency. I'm fine with transparency right. for transparency's sake, but I think that there's probably a lot of different you know agendas and motives going on
1: here. Right. Well, moving to uh, the next policy, uh, there's an outdated transportation policy that uh, that hurts Texas natural gas potential. Uh, This is kind of a a weird rule that these truckers that are transporting natural gas uh, to the to the Gulf, they are only allowed to carry at half capacity. So they're half full, half half empty, however you want to look at it. Uh, So there's a lot of waste involved. uh, Very. Low level efficiency with the transportation of this natural gas. And so they are trying to pass a bill that will allow these truckers to, with a couple of modifications, to carry at full capacity, uh, which I think would be a tremendous uh, benefit, um, at least to the efficiency of these companies. I believe that the, the House bill is 3854, it was uh, introduced by Republican Jeannie Morrison. Uh, chair of the House Transportation Committee, and uh, so they're they're working on that now, and um, I'm not sure how long it'll be before we see whether this gets passed or not. But we're going to keep an eye on it. What do you think about this, Ryan?
0: Yeah, you know. Um... Josh, I spent most of my life living in Louisiana, and the roads there are terrible. Okay, so you think about big trucks on Louisiana roads, and you know it's it's a nightmare. Um, Texas, now living here, it seems to have better roads. But anytime you put big trucks with heavy capacity, um, I, I, I we had to get on a civil engineer to kind of break that down for us on what what could happen. But um, so I think that there's a potential to tear up the roads. Um, I don't know that. That's just probably the fear of why this weight limit was created. Um, so I think that, you know, even the article mentions that they have to have a balance between uh, increase the, the amount of the trucks to carry and keep the road integrity up. So it's it's a, it's a it's a it's one of those problems that we see that it sounds like there's an easy solution but if they increase the weight limit and they start tearing up all the roads, well, okay. Well, then now as a Texan, you know, the, 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 you know, we got bad roads and then we got to get the roads fixed. And that causes problems. So I'm not sure if it's as clear cut as if they can increase the weight limit and keep the roads um, safe. And if, if you think about this also, Josh, a lot of these roads, um, you know, in Texas that were these were – these, um, these fields are at um you know they're older roads They're they're back roads they're not it's not we're talking about you know main interstates we're talking about back roads that you got to get stuff to that people get to their house and go to school and go to work on so um yeah so that's kind of my question was how you know how do we do that how do we increase the weight limit and maintain the roads because if you look at like louisiana it's got some terrible roads there and um you know i don't know what it's a weight limit situation is but i don't want to go back to that kind of a road situation <laughs> you know i just right. left that so i'm i like my roads over here in texas like they are
1: Oh, absolutely! Uh, they're fantastic. I, I lived in Louisiana for a while as well, and uh, it is, yeah, it's they're pretty bad over here. The only place that has worse roads in Louisiana is Mississippi. <laughs> they're pretty bad over there as well. Everybody, likes, Ryan, to, everybody what do likes to about...
0: pick on their neighbor, huh, Josh? We always like <laughs> to we always like to pick on our neighbor well, and say, "Well, that guy is is right. worse than us."
1: Got to one up them. Yes, right. Well, what do you think about uh, the trucks that that uh, like? You carry wood trees and stuff like that do you think that they have to abide by the similar weight limits or do you think uh these these old trucks i mean is it the weight itself that's the the main issue because i you know i hadn't really thought about that but i feel like these other trucks are carrying i've seen trucks carrying like 12 15 cars on them right uh, surely these things are, are not as heavy as some of those trucks right
0: yeah you know that's a good point i don't know again we we probably get on a uh, someone for the dot to kind of break down how all that works for us because um i would imagine that some of those pipe trucks carrying around some pipe or you know there's a lot of weight on there but i don't know if it's 80,000 yeah. pounds or not i um 80,000 pounds is a lot of weight and so yeah. um you know it's, it's an interesting discussion and you know unfortunately i think um that uh, this article comes from todd staples He's we 've referenced him before um he kind of he kind of just makes a passing statement that says that hey, right. the, you know we want to we want to do this and, and we want to keep the road safe and that 's and, and maybe it 's as easy as just saying that but Um, you know, it, it could be that increasing this weight limit causes a lot of other systemic problems that we're not aware of. And so as oil and gas and energy professionals, we always want to sit back because we get attacked a lot, rightfully so. And sometimes not rightfully. So, um, sometimes we get attacked just because we're in the oil and gas business, you know, but sometimes we get attacked because we do stupid stuff, right? Every industry does stupid stuff. Um, but we want to be, we want to come back and say, no, we like to think about issues. We like to make sure we're doing the best thing, the right thing, the most economic thing. Um, And so, you know, if if we can increase the weight limit, and it makes more jobs, and it makes everybody more money, and it doesn't cause any more damage to the road system, that's a no-brainer. Absolutely. But if if it's going to tear up the roads and it's going to cause all these problems, well, then we're going to take unnecessary criticism because we could have figured out a way to balance that out uh, before we went down this track. So that's... That's it, um, and Todd would know better uh, on that side of things than I would, but it's it's kind of one of those things, well, let's have a discussion, like we talked about a few weeks ago with the rigs being close to the houses. Let's just discuss it. We want the facts out there, and we want to we want to know all the facts so we can make a proper
1: decision. Agreed. Agreed. Well, moving to the last uh, item of litigation, um, you know, coming from these past through articles where the government is trying to move in, and people t- typically are in, in oil and gas, we won't we want more freedom, less government control. But we have this instance where uh, Forest Oil um, put up some radioactive fencing materials on a property back in 1994. And as a result, the families uh, have been coming down with uh, higher than normal uh, rates of cancer. And uh, they did not tell the owners they, they were putting this fencing up around his ranch. They put this radioactive, it was 40 times higher than what uh, the government or safety rules will allow. So it it was definitely uh, infested with radioactive material. And, uh, and, and so they put this up on the family they're coming down with a lot of the family members are coming down with cancer and they were just awarded just over $22 million. That was on April the 28th. They were awarded $22 million plus the forest oil has to come in and clean up all of this, all of this stuff, all of this fence that they've, that they've put around this ranch. Uh, so this is a case where you have the government uh, really needing to step in and do something because the uh, uh, you know industry, someone in the oil and gas industry has done something that was terrible, really unthinkable. Uh, Ryan, what was your take on some of this?
0: Yeah, and and um, so let's let's reset the table here, Josh, just so everyone understands what we're saying. We're only saying what the article says. And the article says that the forest oil executives knew about what was in the pipe. So right. we're, yeah. we're not, right. we're not assuming saying— Assuming this article is accurate. Yeah, assuming—so right. uh, uh, you know, um, we're, we're, we're basing our analysis off of the article, and we will link to that in the show notes so you guys can read for yourself. But it says that— um, you know that, that that they knew, and that the and then how the family found out was that a forest oil employee, um, you know, ten twenty years later came back and told them uh, the the family, um, you know, hey, this is what's happening, and so you know I, when I read this article, the first thing I thought about was the Ford Motor Company in the mid mid to late nineties. I can't remember now. They had those tires that were exploding. And mm-hmm. I think it was on the Explorer or the Expedition. I can't remember which car. And come to find out, you know, if I remember correctly, the Ford executives in that situation knew that the tires were faulty and they could cause damage and harm and that um, that they rolled the dice. And, and we remember what happened, a lot of fatal accidents. And so I thought about that was the first thing I thought about was, okay, this kind of separation from reality and rolling the dice. And so, you know, Josh, one of the things I've said before, um, I'm not sure if I said on here or not formally, but I will say it, is that and kind of alluded to in this last comment i made um but the last uh, the, the truck regulation bill is um we have to be smart about what we do because this is the type of stuff that opens us up to so guys like me and you that are, are nobody's in the business that we're not executives of these big companies but these big executives have assuming the article's right allegedly um Put out this this material on these people's property, and, and 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 did not care what the consequences were, or seemingly did not care. And so, you know, as oil and gas professionals, I think if this, again, I'm not gonna say it. I'm saying one more time. Assuming all this is true, and being that the law set has been set, uh, went to the Supreme Court, and they won. I'm assuming it is. Um, assuming all that's true, then we have to take a tough stance and say, okay, these guys have to be held accountable. As someone in the oil and gas industry, this does not represent my values, this does not represent who I am as a person, and this does not represent the oil and gas industry as a whole. And so I think that that's the first thing, is that we have to look at and say, okay, this is not what we want our industry to be about. We want our industry to be clean, we want to be safe, and we want to do good things for people that need energy. That's what we're doing. It's an energy business. Um, and so when we see stuff like this, we have to come down, you know, at least you know, from my standpoint, pretty hard on people who did this knowingly now you could say well you know there's there's a lot of reasons they did it and and at the end of the day it doesn't matter this we're talking about if if this was your family or my family and they put out radioactive fence around my house Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't go over well when i found out it just wouldn't and it wouldn't go over well if you found out or anyone else found out. So we, we, you know, that's that's the kind of thing that I think that we we don't want to backpedal. We don't say no. These this is wrong, and we want to call it wrong. And so, um, assuming everything ours is correct, they did something wrong, and I don't want I don't want to sit over here and kind of be like, well, I don't know. No, that's wrong. Um, and we, what happens is, as you alluded to a minute ago, Josh, is that when stuff like this happens, then the environmental groups look at it and say, see, that's those bad yep. oil and gas people. That's those people who don't care about the environment. That's the people who don't care about the public. Therefore, we go to Congress, we go to the Senate, we go to the the governors, the, the president, all this stuff, and we ask for legislations and bills and restrictions and oversight because of this. And so as professionals, I think we need to sit back and take a hard look at this, look at the case, look at the facts, and assume that it's all true that they did know this. We have to say, no, this is not what we're about, and we um, sympathize with the family who was, you know, essentially abused and taken advantage of here. Um, and so it's a sad situation all the way around. Even if even if it comes out, let's just say, that the article was wrong and Forrest did it, no, it's still a sad situation, right? I mean, it's still, you know, you, you, you think you're getting this, this nice fence and this stuff put up for you, and the next thing you know, it's all radioactive. And so oil and gas are not just the human element. It's just a sad story regardless.
1: Yeah, it is. And just to recap uh, just a little bit, kind of give you the facts here, it's 1994. Forest oil donated over 20,000 feet of used pipe material to be used by the McAllen ranch. And, uh, it had 48 times the regulatory limit of radioactive materials, which is enormous. And, uh, so they, they, they donate all this material and, uh, the, the guy, the whistleblower, uh, ended up coming out and saying that some of the people were joking that, uh, on this ranch, the rhinos are going to be glowing in the dark pretty soon because of the radio radiation from the donated pipes. So he said it was known people joked about it and, uh, and they didn't really consider them. So that's the claim that this article is making again. Yeah. he like and- said, Ryan, if, if, if it's not true, this is a different story. So we're just basing our judgment off of this, uh, forest oil may come out with something and, and, and say, um, they, they had no knowledge of it. or you know. Yeah, and the key, but, the key, the key uh, sentence here, Josh, uh, is, apparently
0: Apparently— I yeah, just say the key sentence that we're basing this off of is, unbeknownst to the McAllen family and their ranch employees at the time, but known to forest oil executives, the donated, the donated pipe was contaminated with radioactive material, and it goes off yeah. from there. So that, that's, that's well, what we're basing it off of.
1: Yeah, well, 25 years of litigation, they end up getting $22 million. I would assume that some juries uh, awarded in their favor.
0: Yeah, so, and it started yeah. off at the local level. They lost, I think I said a commissioner's hearing, two to one. I'm just curious, and, and, and maybe I missed this in the article, Josh. Um, d- did they? Did it say that um, was forced oil, um, all, for, I guess forced oil because they lost the first battle. They were always appealing it. So I'm curious what their standard was on why they kept appealing this. Um, uh, While they keep hmm. appealing this 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 this, uh, oh, this 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 court case, I guess the only thing I, th- I can think of is they may have had the McAllen family sign some kind of waiver of uh, you know of hey we're giving you this pipe it's your responsibility now da da, da. So I, I I didn't I didn't see that article maybe I missed it but I was, I was just curious why they why forest Oil, because now um, obviously that you know forest Oil was bought out by uh, I think Sabine but um, now that the, the headlines and stuff is a lot worse than what it would have been you know if it was just. You know, a local back in 2012 yeah. so and in All 2012 right. the economy was a lot better for oil and gas so you know it's really kind of a you know you <laughs> now you're in 2017 so I, I don't know i didn't see that did you did you catch any wind of why they kept i kept not I, I didn't i
1: didn't know what the what the, what they were appealing for probably what you're saying some sort of a, a waiver that uh was probably being just used to set it aside all right. So moving on to the final uh, or the final two articles that we're going to talk about today. Uh, Titan Energy announced agreement to sell the Appalachian assets. And uh, they have some some of the assets were located in the Eagle. Uh, they are based out of Dallas right now. Uh, pretty soon they're supposed to be moving to relocate their headquarters to Fort Worth, Texas, Texas. Uh, and I'm looking for, I believe they bought it for $84.2 million. This transaction continues, Titan's transformation into a growth-oriented oil and gas company focused on the development of the Eagleford Shale. So they're making some plays in the Eagleford to try to get some assets there that they can use to make some long-term plays. I uh, thought it was a good move by Titan Energy, and obviously this Appalachian assets extends way beyond the Eagleford, but I uh, wanted to mention it because of some of, the, some of those assets and where they were located
0: yep it's our weekly hey pick up the phone and call someone segment josh there That's you right. go That's i right. mean or
1: if uh, forward, you got some jobs about to come man. So, yeah
0: uh, people getting they're getting ready to do more whatever they're doing in eagle further, they're about to focus more there so if you uh know anybody at titan now's a chance to get on
1: them and we got one more uh faskin foskin i'm not sure how you uh how you pronounce it it's a relatively small company they generate about uh Eleven to twelve thousand a month of net income, so nothing major, but they are selling uh, their land and minerals through a sealed bid offering handled by Energy Net. Interesting company there again. This uh, they're about to sell, and going to be some interesting plays that are happening. Yeah,
0: and you know one of the things I see, Josh, is we talked about M and A activity a lot uh, on the show, but here is some um, um, some acreage that someone could pick up. So I see people on LinkedIn all the time looking to buy acreage. So here you go. Here's your chance to pick yep. it up.
1: Yeah, I believe it's, uh, let's see, west 480 acres of Section 9 and north half of Section 14. So yeah, Andrews County, not-
0: right, just north of Midland Odessa kind of area. I don't know exactly inside of uh, where in the county it is, but that's you know, north of Midland Odessa area.
1: Yeah. And uh, so those are the two things, that sales that are happening this, this week. We're going to link to two other articles, Simurex, uh, and we got an article about that. that gets pretty in-depth that we're going to put in the show notes. We don't want to go that much in-depth on the show today. And, uh, and then there's another one. There's a, a Pioneer Natural Resources, a guy named Tim Doe, the CEO of the company, is doing an interview. And uh, there's some interesting conversations, especially surrounding technology and some of the big data that people are trying to use to utilize to make the oil and gas industry more efficient, possibly um, get some more automation in the oil and gas drilling processes. Anything you wanted to add on either of those, Ryan?
0: Nope, nope, nope. If you really like that kind of stuff, well, spacing, technology, big data, all that kind of stuff. Then, uh, or if you're just curious about Pioneer and Simrex and the good articles for you to go check out.
1: Okay, all right. Well, uh, last thing, we're going to hit the rig count, the uh, Baker Hughes rig count. Uh, the U.S. is up seven uh, since the last count, which was last week and they are up 462 from this time last year. Total rig count is 877. The Permian has 349, uh, and the Eagleford has 83. So uh, rigs are still continuing to increase, and they're doing much better than they were last year, so production is still moving forward. It will be interesting to see how these oil prices, what they do over the next couple of weeks, how that's going to affect uh, production. I think that's it, Ron. Yeah,
0: usually rigs going up and prices going down is not a good sign. But uh, but we're gonna take advantage of it while we can. So we'll see how this thing balances out. <laughs> couple quick, yeah, a couple quick notes before we go. First off, we had a listener reach out to us uh, on Twitter and said, "Hey, can you talk about some historic perspectives from the Texas oil and gas industry?" And you know. Uh, we, we're we're looking at that. If you have any more ideas on stuff like that that you'd like us to talk about, um, let us know. You can sh- get us on the uh, website globalenergymedia dot com slash contact and say hey, you know I'd like to hear about this. And uh, he had a few suggestions there. Um, finally, just a quick note is that we are you know we look at the download numbers and we're very excited to see that these download numbers are, are really ahead of the pace of what we thought they would be. Um, and so we we assume that means we're doing a good job. Uh, if not, then you guys are uh, listening to us for, you know, I don't know, maybe your, you know, misery. You know, I don't know, you're suffering <laughs> through entertainment. Yeah, you feel bad for us. Entertainment. Yeah, maybe that's it. But we'd love to hear some more feedback from our listeners and see what can we do to offer you more value uh, when me and Josh do this show every week. Um, and so, again, globalenergymedia.com/contact is the best way to get a hold of Josh or myself. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time, keep climbing.